0: And thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, Heather, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Very well, thank you. So we are doing a joint podcast now. I'm going to go through some challenges that we see with our clients, our own experience to help you all a little bit more. So do you want to tell us, about you Heather and your journey, what led you to coaching?
1: Okay, hi everyone. Um so gosh where to start? Um I'll do like the kind of round the, up. <laughs> the condensed version. But <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be like a podcast of me speaking. Um so probably I was always, like, the typical tomboy, like, really sporty child, Um, was really into, like, swimming, gymnastics, dancing, like, my poor mum and dad just, like, took me to loads of different things, and I don't really know, like, something always sticks out in my, in my head, like, so I remember when I was at secondary school, like, somebody slagged me for having a six-pack, and at the time, I was, like, completely, like, it really knocked me, because I was, like, oh my gosh, like, it made me feel really different to other people. Um, like, now I'm looking back thinking, like, that was something to be so proud of. Like, that my commitment to the point po- at that time it was swimming, like, my commitment to that, like, was... Meant, like I had that that core strength and, like, my I was so proud of my body for what I could do. But because somebody singled me out for looking different, it really, really affected me. And then I kind of, like, actually stopped swimming, um... I don't know if it was if it was that. It was like I was 15 at the time, so there was other things going on, like your typical going out with friends, like that, all that kind of like stuff. Like and I guess like I started to put on weight and um like then went to uni again. The weight just kept coming on, kept coming on, and I was very aware of like my body and I started to go down the route of like picking fad diets, like literally. If I diet, and if I diet, you name it, I probably did it. Like and then I would lose weight but then regain weight. And I was never really happy. Um like I remember like being at my leanest, but being so body conscious, like body checking all the time. Like I would cancel nights out with friends, like we would go for dinner. I would go for dinner with friends and I would be the one that would be sitting not eating, like, because I was just so consumed with counting calories and just yeah like just being aware of basically like I wanted my body to be this the smallest version of that it could be because I thought if it was really really if I was lean then that would be like I would love myself a little
0: bit more yeah that like validation isn't it validation, validation yeah,
1: for like, yourself yeah like my full self-worth was how I looked yeah. and it, yeah, like there was that kind of constant cycle and then I found CrossFit and lifting weights and it made me realise that I can appreciate my body for what it could do and not what it looked like. And I'm not going to say that's the end of my journey because I basically had a like really, really messed my relationship with food through the years and years of dieting. Um and I've had to work really really hard at that um to actually try and build that relationship back up and it's always going to be a work in progress like I think we were speaking about this before like your relation I think I don't think you're ever you will ever stop in trying to improve or working on your relationship with food it's always going to creep back in sometimes um so yeah like really worked really really hard in relationship with food and um before like during that time I thought through conversations with different people and I was coaching um, at a gym at the time and decided that I could help people and yeah it kind of started from there like went the did, did Mac Nutrition Uni um, and then went on to do EIQ which absolute game changer like that course Uh,
0: and interestingly that's how we well met really social media and then through mentoring so it's interesting though isn't it that you from a very young age were like you said very proud of your body for the functionality you appreciated your body and then you've sort of gone like full circle again um Mm -hmm. back to that area but during that time there was fad diets was a lot of low self-worth and we do see that quite quite frequently um now but again it's just not spoken about a great deal is it um so of course that's what we're here to do to help people guide them and like you said the journey never ends but unfortunately there is this misbelief from diet culture hugely um that when you've gotten to your goal weight that all your problems are solved
1: mm-hmm. and
0: all of your problems are solved through a scale way. And one of the biggest challenges I saw with my journey, and I'm sure you can resonate and and clients as well, that your whole self-worth is based on a, and a number on the set of scales. And there's a lack of ability to see that that is interchangeable and that it's not actually cross correlation to a, your body fat levels and be your self-worth but many people do hold it on this number right and then we do follow over-restricted approaches and go to extremes which leads to so much disconnection from ourselves and of course our own values and our own goals and then we follow different methods through this perception of what we believe we should look like and what we should be doing to then be validated to then increase our self-worth and I'll be happy when I hear that a lot is that something that you hear with your clients as well I'll be happy when I weigh x amount
1: Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely yeah
0: and I guess it's like when you when you think about that like and a
1: lot of the times that when you when you, you delve down a little bit deeper and you ask them like why that number and it's like oh that was what I weighed on my wedding day or when I was on holiday with like when I went on my first holiday with, with the girls and it's like it's not the number it's the situation that you were in at the time like of course you're going to feel so happy on your wedding day like I think so yeah <laughs> it's like one of the best days of your life like but it's, it wasn't the number, like yeah. it wasn't like that that number on the scales, it made you happy. And a lot of the times as well, like a, a lot of my clients go through a lot of life changes when they, they come, like they either had kids or their lifestyle just got a lot, like a completely, it's completely different. Their goals are completely, not as much their goals, but their values are completely different. Their um, commitments are completely different. And to go back to what they did before because like the, a lot of the times it's like oh I did like Slimming World and I, I lost a lot of weight it really worked for me um but their commitments and their about like their commitments were so different, like, but they can't follow that that restrictive or that that um, diet anymore like it's just it's just not going to work for how or for their um where they are in their life and I guess like that takes a lot of to, to know that you have like that you can't really do what you you did before like you have to things have to change like you might have to do home workouts like yeah home workouts are not the like a lot of people like the gym for like the social aspect and stuff but to actually get the the results you want like sometimes you just have to suck it up and not so much suck it up that sounds bad but be like right well the realistically adapting, I can't like the isn't it
0: like it's just adapting to that situation and I think one of the difficulties that is that the sunk cost policy, isn't it? Like, well, that worked one time, so it's gonna work again, but actually you're in a completely different place now. And I think one of the difficulties that I experience and I see with a lot of uh, clients is that these diet cultures and these mixed messaging leads people down a very narrow minded approach when it, when you um, consider your health in that they believe the pinnacle of health is held in like your calories and your exercise and that, all you need to do to improve your health is look at how much you're eating and how much you're exercising. And then you sort of nailing it. And we don't recognize now in society that health is a multifaceted puzzle. And like you just said, then the psychological flexibility of being able to adapt to situations like, okay, I've got children now, you're working with a lot of young mums, you are a young mum, you've got young children, being able to then do a home workout without feeling like a failure and without then saying to yourself, well, I just can't do it today because I can't get to the gym. No, it's looking at what you can add and adapting to your situation. Whereas the diet culture messaging is you need to go and train, five times a week, you need to grind, you need to really restrict your calories. And if you're not doing so, then you're a failure. And then people identify as being I'm a failure and they haven't got the ability to just look at what they can add and broaden Mm -hmm. their horizon to this multifaceted um, puzzle of health to then look at incorporating behaviors that are gonna suit them long-term in the, the situation that they're in. Because we know now from the evidence that, if you're looking at sustainable results, it's less about what you eat, less about how much you move. It's more about your behaviors. And if your behaviors are adding value to your life every day, that you're working with yourself, that you can do the school run, that you can prepare your children's breakfast, but you can still spend 10 minutes eating your breakfast without distraction. And then you're able to do a 15 minute workout. And actually that time that you're getting is adding value to your life because you're ticking something for yourself. You're prioritizing yourself instead of spending 20 minutes driving to the gym, oh, an hour workout, 20 minutes coming back, and then feeling so overwhelmed or procrastinating about it. And being able to adapt to these situations, I see huge benefits with my clients when you can, when they take a step back and they're like, oh, so health is not just about what I eat and how much I move. And then you notice greater confidence in social events, greater confidence in your relationships, in emotional awareness, being able to just label emotions instead of walking around all day saying, I'm stressed, I'm stressed. And there's Mm -hmm. less of this identification of being I'm a failure and the more of the recognition of, oh, actually, yeah, okay, failing is part of this journey. It doesn't mean that I have to fall into this false dichotomy, this all or nothing approach. Actually, what can I do today to add value back to my life? How can I reflect on that? What can I learn from that? And how can I drive going forward in an approach that works for me? And I think too often, because these slimming worlds and these these clubs, these courts, um, you sort of go with your friends, don't you? So it's like, well, so-and-so lost two kilos, but I haven't done so. And again, it's this like, is that is that what you need right now? Or is your, what you need right now just some greater consistency, being able to add things to your life to help you and support you outside of just fat loss. Like some people do need to lose body fat. Yeah, I wholeheartedly appreciate that for their health. But a lot of people are just looking for a little bit more consistency, greater awareness, both self-awareness, emotional awareness. And like you work a lot with your clients, gaining some structure around shift patterns, around young mums and being able to navigate schoolwork navigate school runs without putting yourself so far down in your priority list that you then resent your own health that is something mm-hmm. that is ultimately helping you to do these things and I think too often we don't quite recognize that your body is giving you the ability to help your children with your homework to get your children to school so the more we can take care of ourselves and it doesn't have to flip reverse your life you don't have to spend hours cooking mm-hmm. and being able to adapt and broaden your horizon to that it's a challenge for many but when you can do so you've got more compassion to yourself right you're more empathetic towards situations and it's that imperfection
1: yeah yeah definitely um yeah it's like it's I speak a lot about with my clients about starting their journey with the end in mind so they can they have to think about what they're going to do in the next X amount of weeks and not just to think about it as like six weeks, eight weeks, twelve weeks. Think about how they're going to get the results, but actually further on from that, how are they going to sustain those results? Because, like you say, it's behaviors. It's not just eating as little as you can for the next like six weeks, over-exercising, hitting the gym every single day, because you can't keep that up. Like you just can't. It's not sustainable, it's not healthy but what can you do? And it's working with each individual person because each individual person has got a different lifestyle. They've got different commitments. They've got completely different values. They've got different goals. And until you can sit down and recognise exactly what you want and and what all these are, um, then you can start to build a plan around you and not try to shoehorn yourself into a plan that is unsustainable. And it's why a lot of people... yeah Yeah, a lot of people um get to the end of slimming world weight watchers and I'm not slagging these diets because at the end of the day like for some people they do get results with them but I think they they totally miss out the huge component of the other aspects of health and longevity and um educating clients on food as a whole like food is not just calories or energy like it's like uh, there is like there's health components to food there's social aspects there's emotional aspects and a lot of people um when it comes to the most emotional health they turn to food absolutely
0: and I know. you know, I can resonate with that and I'm sure you can
1: well tell, um, tell us a bit about your journey you've not actually oh
0: yeah hi <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah um, Heather just touched on emotional um awareness then and yeah so I fell massively into that, having some um trauma when I was growing up with family issues. I grew up in a home that was very much work, 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 work. And my dad is literally my hero. He brought me up, he's amazing. But and you'll know as well, growing up, it was nothing, nothing was ever spoken about about health, about the quality of your food, about even hmm, mental health, being able to talk about your emotions. Um When we're growing up, it's if you fall over as a child, don't cry, get up, you'll be fine. Um, If anything was ever untoward or you were struggling with anything, there was always fixes, right? People were fixing things around us. They weren't Mm. allowing us the opportunity to talk about how we were feeling. Instead, it was like, just don't worry about it. I'll sort it. Don't worry. And then you're left worrying. So it's like... (laughs) Okay, Um, well, I have all of this worry going on right now. And I actually don't have a clue how I'm feeling. (laughs) And because we were taught in essence to suppress our emotions, um, I found comfort in food and got to 22 stone when I was 21, couldn't get the seatbelt on the airplane. And then very much like Heather fell into all of the fad diets. Um, I didn't realize at the time that I was struggling with fear of rejection. I was taken... I think it was about fifteen or sixteen. Um, to the doctors and told I needed to lose weight. Um, I was bullied growing up, as we know, um, as being like the bigger person. And I held my whole self worth on my appearance, thinking, right, I'll be validated, I'll be accepted, people will love me if I lose weight. I then start to lose weight, and I then start to get compliments, right, based on how I looked. I was like, oh, you're you look great, you're doing amazing. Oh my God, how are you doing that? And I was like, that's it. This is it. I'm completing it. I'm doing so well here. So I took it to an extreme. I suffered with hypothalamic amenorrhea for three years and lost my menstrual cycle. Um, but, Heather, everyone was telling me I looked great. Everyone was telling me I looked amazing. And my, one of my biggest regrets is going to Las Vegas. Um, and I was so preoccupied by food and I was so hyper focused on food. I was taking laxatives as I was eating because I didn't want to gain weight lost weight when I got home I was like right that's it and everyone was like oh my god you look so lean and it wasn't until I took a step back and actually realized the significant implications that this was all having on my relationships I was petrified of going out for food very much like yourself and it got to the point where my friends would then order food before I got there because they knew I wouldn't eat and I'd just sit and drink I didn't even dare go to my dad's for food because I didn't want anybody else to cook for me. I was hyper focusing on controlling my food intake, but then I would lose control. So one instance I went to the local cinema and spent 24 pound on pick a mix and ate it in a five mile journey. And it, it, my, it was very yo-yo, yo-yo. And the biggest thing I needed to work on was my relationship with myself and my mindset and emotional granularity so even though I lost all the weight now na- I didn't have a clue how I was feeling none of my problems were solved all I wanted to do was get to 60 kilos and I thought then I'd feel great and every time I lost more weight I felt worse because mm-hmm. I was like my problems aren't being solved here I don't really understand what do I need to do yeah so I had to reframe everything and now I sit at a very healthy weight and-, and like you said my journey hasn't ended it's I'm always growing and I'm always learning. And now I do still have triggers and I do still fear rejection. I do still have this huge element of self-worth that does creep in. And even being a coach, it's, I still see it now in myself. And it's not that you don't ever suffer with emotional eating. It's more that you build on alternative activities and you have Tools on your tool belt to help manage the situation greater with compassion, mm-hmm. with empathy, because you're more understanding of how you're feeling. And there is so much research. I don't know if you saw the or have you read Atlas of the Heart?
1: Oh my God, I was going to mention Atlas of the Heart. It's amazing. Oh, see
0: what, amazing. One of the most phenomenal books, Brené Brown, like literally, I love her. And that study, 500,000 participants, and they could only label three emotions sad, mad, happy, and angry. And now I see it a lot of my clients that they just label it, I'm just stressed, I'm just stressed, I'm just stressed. Yeah. And we know there's no physiological change when we're feeling stressed, it's just your brain evaluating, oh, I can't deal with this right now. But there are physiological changes when you notice and you can just label emotions, like not even being able to unpick them, but it is transformative, isn't it? When you're working on your relationship with food, your relationship with yourself, like am I stressed or am I feeling overwhelmed? Do I feel like I'm in sinking sand right now? and and it's things like that that i i wasn't taught growing up and it's something that i really chat a lot with my clients about and we use the emotional wheel oh yeah uh, the feelings wheel here just so that you can pinpoint how you're feeling and i think too often we can assume that we're just going to overeat and we're just going to binge if we're feeling negative but it's also positive situations as well like positive emotions that you can do so because it's all felt the same in the body, isn't it? And yet we mask over this as being like, oh no, 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 it's fine. If I'm if I'm health, if I'm healthy, then I'm just feeling happy. And it's like it's a nuance to feel anything other than happy nowadays. But having that awareness and something I see like with my clients, it does help them absolutely twofold when they do notice emotional triggers. It's that, oh actually my body isn't asking me for food right now it's asking for other things and mm-hmm. I'm like oh how can I help myself in that situation and one of the techniques that I use myself still none I'm sure you do as well and you uh, recommend to your clients it's just literally breathing just deep mm-hmm. to yeah. just slow it all down a little bit yeah yeah
1: because if you can create that pause so a lot of the times like we don't we just automatically because I guess like one of the things about emotionally is a lot of people like all like brand all emotional eating as bad but there's there's like so there's there's going to be some times when you emotionally if when you eat and it actually helps that emotion like so I guess it's like knowing that not like when you do eat like say you're feeling you're feeling sad and like you've got your grand recipe for like cookies and you make them and it makes you feel a little bit better like that is held but I guess a lot of people think that they would then think oh my god I can't believe I've just I've just I've just emotionally ate cookies that's really bad and then that spirals them into being like I've failed I might as well just eat the rest of these cookies, but like not all emotional eating is bad. Like you, and I guess it's like it's been able to again. It takes some self awareness and it takes some some work to be like, right, okay, well, how am I feeling? Like, and that's where the, the the mindful breathing helps because if you can pause. So a lot of the times when you feel something, and you and it's let's face it, like when we're feeling negative emotions, like. they're horrible they're they're not nice to feel like that anxiety in your stomach like that that worry in your chest like you want that feeling to stop and if your automatic response is always to go for food then you're never you're never pausing you're never pausing to actually stop and ask yourself how you're feeling um and so you're never naming that emotion you're never you're not giving your yourself the chance to actually ask yourself what you need and what you want in that moment
0: and that's where the pause can really really help absolutely like, and it's like observing isn't it like that mindfulness that you said you're observing more how you're feeling so you're allowing yourself to expose some vulnerability to sit in that situation a little bit But then when you're observing it, you're meeting it with the courage. And then when you meet it with the courage, you're then taking action forward based on how you feel, but how you want to feel. And one of the things I've chatted about to my clients actually this week is one one of the (laughs) mixed messaging that I see now, still thrown around in from quite a few good coaches, actually, it's like, oh, well, if you're overeating on that food, just remove it out of the house. You just don't want it in the house, right? Especially sure this time of year. Yeah, like, just get rid of all the chocolate. But then the difficulty comes when you go to the office and there's all the chocolate in the office. And if yeah. chocolate is, like, your vice, it's your trigger, and perhaps you've had a really stressful day, your boss is driving you insane, and celebrations are there, what are you going to do? You can eat the celebrations. And... For a time, it might serve a purpose to remove the food out of the house. But one mm. of the one of the things that I used, because your environment is huge, isn't it? It helps yeah. you massively. And I used <laughs> sticky notes. So I wanted to be able yeah. to have food in the house. I didn't <laughs> want to be able to remove it all. And I didn't want the food to be talking to me because i noticed when emotions were high food literally spoke to me out the cupboard it was like come here rebecca i can help you yeah. <laughs> they do they don't they and we know that uh, our subconscious with these uh behaviors that we've learned for many years um it's habitual isn't it to an extent and it runs on our thinking brain so when I was having when I was trying to incorporate this food back into my environment because I wanted to be able to have it in I wanted to be able to eat a biscuit without eating the pack of biscuits and not feel like you have said label this as a as a failure so these sticky notes literally just said things like pause and think or do you need this or how are you feeling To bring my more observation brain, my more conscious awareness to what I was actually doing to then cultivate a pause for myself and having that in my environment really did help me then take a step back and it was like, oh, hmm, do I need that? I just, oh, okay. Yeah. So then I was thinking about it more and then I was able to then actually delve in a little bit deeper in that situation. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm not actually needing that. What am I needing right now? Oh, actually, how am I feeling? And then it was like that that instant like, oh, okay. Deep breathing. Huh. How am I feeling now? Would Do I want that? And when you've got that more conscious awareness and you've got just a little amount of awareness of like how you're feeling in terms of a label. And then you make a decision based on that. Like you can still eat the biscuits, but actually you've given yourself permission to do so. And you're fully aware that you're doing so. And then that I've noticed with my clients, especially and with myself, it removes that guilt, that shame because actually you're very aware of the, the action that you took. Mm -hmm. And again, it's, another mixed messaging that we spoke about before we got on here that not all overeating is bad either (laughs) even if you're in a fat loss phase and perhaps you do overeat your calories one day it's not bad and given the environment that we live in given the um that food is around everywhere in abundance isn't it like it's completely normal for every sometimes like, and it's weird that you just said about the cookies because I made cookies this weekend, and I have two cookies. And if I was to bang that in my fitness pal and then say to myself, "Oh, Rebecca, you ate two cookies. It's gone into the red now. Along with your porridge, along with your dinner," like old me would have been like, "Oh, you're a failure." Monday, just restrict. Do you know what? Just we don't have your breakfast. But then yeah. that spiraled. And and there's no relationship there with the food or relationship with yourself to give yourself the acceptance and the ability to then overeat in situations, but knowing that you're not going to gain weight. And a lot of people maybe do overeat in situations when they're out socially, but then step on the scales the next day and they're like, oh my God, that burger and chips made me gain weight mm-hmm. and, and haven't got that broadened horizon. Should we say when it's like, actually, what is your body doing for you outside of just that? And again, it's that whole body image as well that we see.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I was um, having a chat with a client um, this weekend, and um, just kind of checking in, and she had said that she had, she thought, she felt like she'd went off plan because she didn't track at the weekend. No. That's the thing about like so. I do get clients to track calories. Some some cla- some track. Some don't. Just it depends. But I think with tracking, like tracking, can be a really good educational tool, um, to actually see like your portion sizes and the um, like the calories that are in certain foods and the portion sizes, etc. Like, if you can use that to get that data and to kind of use that as um as information to then make your choices. Um, but if you are, the thing about tracking is it should never be a lifelong tool. Like so, you should be able to do it alongside other habits and behaviours, and it, and it's like having that. We speak a lot about awareness, and and the the first step to actually making change is being aware that there's a there, yeah. there's something that needs changed. So a lot of people are like, yeah, I know I do that, like but. But like, I actually, like, don't. I don't think people know like how big that is to actually know that they do that. Because a lot of people do things and they're not even aware of it. To actually know you do that, and then because a lot of people think, yeah, I know I do that, but I still do it. So like, that's what's how's that good? But I'm like, but you know you do it. You know that's what needs like that. That's a thing we can work on to change and to make more positive. Um. But like, with, with the thing about like my fitness pal is like, if you are a, if you don't track at the weekend and then you feel like you've went off plan because you've not tracked like that's where you need to make like there has to be some changes because there has to be you have to still have the the behaviors there to be able to not track for a day and Absolutely. not feel what you've failed
0: and like I think too often it's very much that narrow-minded approach isn't it that the pinnacle of uh, of health is found in your nutrition and your exercise and one of the things that I did myself And I actually had a chat with a client about this this week because I am putting some clients, like helping clients come away from tracking because like you said, it did serve a purpose in terms of data collection. But too often we can find that we are, we sort of seek validation to eat from numbers that we put into a tracking app. Mm -hmm. And that then with that, we lose the ability to recognize the value that is held in like nutrient dense foods, the quality of your food. So for an example, like maybe this client in particular, she had like 300 calories left over. When she was tracking in MyFitnessPal, she was like, right, I can get mini bag of Maltesers in. I can get curly-wurly in. I can get fudge in. And I can have a light hot chocolate. And then on reflection, her dietary fiber wasn't hit. Okay, her protein was hit, but it's all right because I've hit total overall calories. But she was noticing then an increase in wanting to eat more of this food. And it's like, with the quality of your food it's not optimal when we're looking at like supporting your gut microbiome supporting your immune system playing to the thermic effect of feeding because that isn't spoken about is it but it's not it's not fancy in terms of numbers it's like well rebecca i've hit my calories but if that is a lot of saturated fats very low dietary fiber and then you seek validation to eat you're not aware of what you're eating you're not mindful it's like well i have put 400 calories in my breakfast now I'm going to scroll on my phone. I'm going to eat it while I'm on my phone, but it's all right. Cause my fitness pal told me I could eat that. Mm. But then it's looking at your behavior and why you seek validation from an app to yeah. give myself permission to eat. And it's usually that low confidence, isn't it? Like, oh, I don't trust myself enough because if yeah. my fitness pal tells me I can eat it, then that way I'm hyper-focused, I'm controlled. And if I don't put it in my fitness pal, I'm just going to lose control. And now I am. Then we look at self-fulfilling prophecies. Like, if that's what you're telling yourself, that's probably what's going to happen, but try it. And one of the things that I get my clients to do now to help with the mindfulness, and maybe you could try this with your client, take a photo of it. Mm -hmm. So take a photo of your food because it helps bring that conscious awareness in. Like, oh, actually, do I want this large Domino's pizza and this bottle of wine? (laughs) (laughs) Or, (laughs) no, it's just a joke. Um, (laughs) But it does help you look at the quality of your food, doesn't it, right? Because, Mm And it's like Slimming World. Oh, well, you've got 15 sins and I'll eat no sins all day and then sit with a glorified binge at night. This plate of like 15 sins worth of food. But it's behaviour, isn't it? Like, yeah. Do you think you need like, do you honestly need to sit in your phone every time you're going out or oh, going out for food or eating to give yourself permission? Or do you think actually deep within you there's a little bit of trust there? And actually just allowing yourself that and sitting with that again, it's sitting with that anxious feeling, isn't it? sitting with that uncertainty of Mm -hmm. not tracking my fitness palette instead of instantly reacting like, Heather, I failed. Heather, I haven't tracked my calories this week, so I failed. And I think sometimes, you know, um, clients are wonderful. I absolutely love them to death, but it's like, do they think that that's what we want to hear? Like, no, I want to hear the, how you felt with not tracking, actually, Mm -hmm. I don't want to hear that you're calling yourself a a failure. Actually, feel pretty liberated by it i want i wanted my phone on weekend but i ate and i had, I think i had some protein tried to have some vegetables but that's life mm-hmm. you're living your life yet because there's this perfectionist this all or nothing like i'm on track i'm off track i'm only on track if i'm doing everything i should be doing but it's the adapting isn't it again to situations and then yeah. being able to actually hone in on a bit of reflection to your behaviors outside of what when we've been led to believe through this misinformation in society and what there's a perception of what we believe we should be doing and actually looking at what you can do in that situation and you can still follow your eating behaviors and you can still follow getting protein in every meal looking at a bit of color with every meal irrespective of whether you buy phone with you or not yeah and I guess that's like it's also
1: a lot of people don't see these small behaviors as wins like they think Like, you know, so what if I'm like, if I'm just, if I'm having like some fruit and vegetables, surely that's just, that's normal. That's what I should be doing. Like, I'm not even going to see that as, as a success when they should be looking at these little wins. because if they were to look at, if they were to focus on the positives of what that actually means long term, if they do that consistently for a year, for two years, for three years, like the actual, the, the health benefits Across all aspects of health, the health benefits they will see from doing this are astronomical. Like the research shows you, like the research shows, like if you walk 10 minutes a day, it can add two years onto your life. 10 minutes, 10 minutes a day, two years onto your life. Like, and then I think 30 minutes is like, or 20 minutes is like three years, 30 minutes is four or five years. Like, do you know, like the research is there, but what I think what we do, and I had I had, like did a little post of this in my, in my client group at the weekend was, uh, we are programmed to have like a negative cognitive bias, yeah, so maybe. we don't all we find it really difficult. So we could have like, and I shared like this picture. So it was like it was like a wee guy, and it was like a big pile of like good things that had happened in the day, and there was one bad thing, and. Yeah. You, they were like, I've had such a bad day because of this one bad thing that happened. But there was like, honestly, like an overflowing pile of good things that had happened. Yeah. And I think that was just, it really resonated because I see it, I see it a lot in, in, in chats. And it's one of the things that I love, 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 the more I work with people and the check-ins and, and the assessments and the journaling and stuff that they do. And I can see they're like, all the good things like so I ask, ask clients like what what were their wins this week and see like as their journey goes and they're able to be like I did this, I did this, I did this and it's like all the little small things and they're able to recognise these as big big wins and it's like so, so some weeks like so like like you say like, I work with a lot of um, people who have like young families and who work shifts and there's going to be weeks where their lives are hectic like hectic 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 and they maybe only manage two home workouts and they maybe only manage like they don't manage to eat fruit and veg with every single meal and a lot of the times like before they would be like oh well like you say like I failed like that that's been such a bad week but if they can like zoom out and be like, right, okay, well, I actually had like the kids had something on every single night. Like I was working like three 12 hour shifts. Like if they were to like actually have like look at their week and be like, oh my God, like look at how much look at my week and look what I managed to do. I managed to to prioritize myself and put in have two workouts in there. Like I managed to have fruit and veg with nearly every meal. Like I was consistent with that. Like if they were to actually look at all the positives, or, or reframe things that they would normally look as negatives as positives then they would actually see what a great week it's been yeah and then that would give them like that little boost that little motivation um to continue to keep doing these behaviors And yeah. um, but if you like look at if you look at an opposite and you think well I've not had like I'm supposed to hit like so I set my, my clients like non-negotiable targets like and so somebody's like well I've not had two out of four of them for instance that was a bad day I'm like well and then then they think well I might as well like this week's just a write-off then. like
0: like that's that's where the the problems can arise yeah absolutely and we do unfortunately live in a world of instant gratification don't we so of course like oh, it's easy to sell a two-stone loss in six weeks, but then actually where's the long-term effect with that? And I just read The Happiness Advantage, actually. No. I've not read that. Is it the Happiness Advantage? I think it is. Yeah, it is. I, the one I've just sent. Yeah. Anyway, talk about the Tetris effect.
1: Right.
0: Yeah. So it's when our brains get stuck in a pattern that focuses on stress, negativity and failure... And we literally set ourselves up to fail and it's really like you can really notice it now like even talking about the weather people are saying it's too cold too rainy we are we are programmed to just constantly think about the negative so one of the things that i think is transformative for many people to help notice these small things is gratitude
1: yeah absolutely
0: people don't get on don't don't always get on board with it they're like what do you mean I've got practice gratitude as if we've got to well I'm grateful for my car like grateful for big things like grateful when I oh I'll be happy when I get a new car I'll be happy when I go on holiday because we've lost the ability to notice the changes now and it's that compounding effect of your daily effort that then plays off into long-term success and usually like you said the biggest changes are the ones you can't see you Literally can't yeah. see that you're walking upstairs and you're feeling fitter. You're not um, like really out of breath. You can't see that you're more um, like flexible when you're going out socially. That you're not preoccupied by food. You are not you can't see that you're waking up next morning having breakfast. Like, but these behaviors are going to support you long term. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. And it's hard. Like, these things are so hard though because they're not
1: like they're not quantifiable. You can't like. You can um see it on an app. You can't see it on a graph. Like I mean there there are ways to do it. Like there are the, there are ways to be consistent with it. Like if you want to be, if you want to practice gratitude, you could like tick it off in a habit checklist, like just every morning, like have it part of your morning routine or your evening routine, like just naming three things you're grateful for. And I think a lot of people with the gratitude, like, so this was actually in Atlas of the Heart, it's, like talking about like gratitude and it's it actually helps um because like that negative cognitive bias it's like a neural pathway so if you can change that neural pathway and this it takes time consistency and it takes consistent effort to do this but if you're consistently um practicing gratitude then that is your your negative cognitive bias it's going to change it's going to be more positive you're going to start to see the positives in, in every aspect of your life but you need to keep doing that. Like, and you, can't, just, like, you, can't, you can't do it, you can't it for just... a day.
0: And then it's like dieting, is it? If you diet for a day, why haven't I lost weight? No, again, it's, it, it t- it's consistency, it takes time, yeah. it takes effort. And yeah. again, like you said, it's not quantifiable and you can't always see these changes. But it, yeah. for me, and a lot of the things that I see with my clients, it's how they feel and being able to hold their own space. And feeling safe in themselves again, because I didn't feel safe in my body and felt so disconnected. And I'm sure you can resonate with that in that you are so preoccupied by food all the day, constantly focused on food all day. And not really knowing where to place your efforts to reconnect back to yourself, to hold yourself in high regard, to understand and appreciate food again, to find fun and enjoyment back in eating And it gets to that point where you just have a lot more psychological order with how you approach each day. Mm -hmm. But again, it's work in progress all the time.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Because, like, if anybody's listening to this and they feel like they are very preoccupied with food, like, food takes up a a huge component of, like, their their daily mental space, like, something you can do is, like, to draw a circle and to actually have, like, so you, you split it up into, like, ten little segments and you... you um put down like what you would want so you think about like the aspects of health so like the physical emotional um psychological spiritual does it say it physical yeah <laughs> um so thinking about the aspects of health and like what you want like your perfect day to look like
0: absolutely
1: and then doing it for how it looks just now so you could be like you could be thinking like 50% of your day is actually spent thinking or worrying or analyzing food and your body and your body when that that half that so that's half of your mental space is taken up by that like and then think of all the other things in your life, like your your family, your work, your hobbies, like your spirituality, like all this other stuff that you're neglecting because you're so preoccupied with food. And then I I, I think sometimes that it's I've seen it down in paper, been like oh like I actually can't believe I spend all this time thinking about food, and it's something like with me like I literally like my full day evolved around food it evolved around counting calories it evolved around um like I used to I used to um track sugar-free dialing juice and I used to track Maltesers like single Maltesers and I would always go for Maltesers because they were lower calorie and I mean I could eat more like crazy crazy stuff like but I was so preoccupied with food and missing out on nights out with friends with um birthday parties and, and birthday cake and like, all this stuff. Um, and it was only when I, like, I actually sat down and and, and realised how much time was spent on food. And it's not going to change overnight. It's something you do have to, comp- like, constantly work on. But when you realise, like, the, the amount of mental space it's taken up and really... And then you think about what your values are and what your commitments are. Like, is that in line with how you want to be, how you want to show up for your family, for your work colleagues? Like, um or do you want to do you want to show for yourself do you want to show up as a better version of you like
0: absolutely and that again it's bringing the it's bringing your conscious awareness to actually where your thoughts are currently and knowing that that's absolutely changeable but again it's yeah. that vulnerability and you expose you yourself to that vulnerability you break down your barrier of fear and you can change that and a lot of the time i I focused a lot on body image as well. Like, a lot of my thoughts were around my body image, around like that changing and not accepting the daily fluctuations with my body image. Mm -hmm. And instead, it was the hyper, it was then like playing into hyper focus and hyper control around um, my intake or my exercise. And something I see with my clients where it's like, oh, I'm a little bit bloated today, as if it's a bad thing. And it's just a normal process of like digestion. And body image flexibility, body image appreciation, body image positivity, it's not about loving yourself, I don't think that's a a very good message to portray, because I can't sit here and honestly say I love myself, because no, of course there's, play, there's things I'd like to change, but it doesn't mean that I don't accept myself, and it's going mm-hmm. to accept yourself through all stages of the month, all stages of the year, without then trying to control like you said and being so preoccupied by food because it all links together doesn't it like I want to control how I look so I need to control my food and if I control my food I control how I look but then it's all leading back to this low self-worth and actually how do you want to show up? Do you want to spend the vast majority of your day thinking about food, thinking about your body? Or is your cognition better spent making decisions at work? Being able to plan family family holidays, vacations, being able to go out and be very present with your girlfriends because you, you're not, are you? Let's be honest, if you are preoccupied by food and you're constantly thinking about what you should have, how you can make it the lowest calorie, remove the mayo, remove this, remove whatever you're not actually engaging with your friends around you. Instead, you're thinking, oh, I just need to put this in my fitness bar. I just need to see how how many calories are in this to then give me validation to eat this. And these are very normal experiences when you've been exposed to diet culture for many, many years. But it is absolutely changeable. And it isn't that you're a failure or that you are failing. It's just you're doing the best you can with the knowledge you have but you Mm -hmm. can change that and you can build on more knowledge. And I think that in itself, just hearing that message and being able to talk to different people is like, "Mm, actually, yeah, I can do this. And I don't have to wait for the right time either. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because a a lot
1: of a lot of stuff with clients is actually it's not it's not learning it's actually relearning so (laughs) yeah like all the messages and and do you know what like see depending on like so for me like I grew up in like Kate Moss like the notice like the thigh gaps like all that like that was like a big part of like growing up and like the magazines were like you need to like do this to to drop a dress size and to lose belly fat and like it was all this mixed messaging um, and it's like if you if this has been like your years and years of learning like that's not going to change overnight so a lot of times it's like it's it's been like, like well this is what I think and and being okay we've been like well that's actually wrong like and this is this is like this is the right message not the right message but this is this is a facts and let's let's like explore this and make this fit around like you and and it's I guess it's why people always tend to go back to some diets because they feel safe for them like because let's face it like they because they have lost weight in the past doing them like so they're like oh they worked but if you've regained the weight that you've lost like that, that diet has not worked for you but actually like the scariest thing is actually been like well, I don't actually know what I'm doing and I need some help and I need some support like for for people to actually admit that they're not entirely sure like that takes a huge amount of um a huge amount of courage to actually say like I do need some help here um because if you've if you've been if you've went through years and years of yo-yo dieting and and fad diets and stuff like the the right approach is not going on another restrictive fad diet no. the right approach is actually unpicking yeah exactly what you think about food what you think about yourself what you think about your body like your emotional awareness your like your the self-awareness like your triggers your behaviors around food is actually unpicking all of that and then putting it back together in a in a, in a way that makes your the improves your health, your well being, your mental well being, your physical well being improves everything. improves your life, but that takes time, and it's it's a really it's scary, and at times it's a really hard, difficult, mm. um, like road to go on.
0: Yeah,
1: but I know myself like, it is so, so, like I mean I'm not at the end of that road. I never will be, but I am in a much happier place doing that like horrible like some weeks I was like I can't do this like this this is just and and see some some weeks I actually catch myself like I actually caught myself just falling down and I don't know where it came from but I was like oh it's it's Christmas coming up like I've got a night out I, I'll maybe just watch what I'm doing and yeah. I was like bye where did that come from
0: stop that yeah. but it, it just comes out like it just it just hits you sometimes and you're yeah. like Absolutely, and I get that. Like, I'm going on holiday for Christmas. I was like, "Oh, should I going to should I diet?" Ooh. and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. "Then, I, then it's like, what, what is that? What, what message are you saying to yourself in that situation? Like, what are you, what validation are you seeking? Because it is, isn't it? Like, oh, you can only go on holiday if you're in a very small physique, and you seek validation from dieting to have a bikini on, but." I'm like no, actually no, no, I don't need to do that. And it, it's it like we do still get triggered, and I think so often it's like, well, you're you done now, aren't you? No, 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 no. Uh, yeah, really <laughs> and
1: I, I think that's like, um, it's the the rose tinted glasses of social media. Like you think everybody's got their shit together, but <laughs> nobody has their shit together. <laughs>
0: Let, let me tell you i'm a recovering perfectionist i will always be a recovering perfectionist and yeah well, will have some days and yeah that's absolutely fine and yeah like it's normal it's, it's be, totally normal you know, this gym sessions like haven't been to the gym for well say that been twice this week but through this um coming out back end of the flu I wasn't training but I would have done mm-hmm. years ago because it was the pinnacle of success right I need to go and yeah. bust, bust a bollock through this but actually no harder. <laughs> so yeah when my clients are like oh you're not training I'm like no because I now accept my body and it's mm-hmm. like my body's supporting me getting better um now I'm conscious of time you've got to shoot haven't you I do you yeah. so let's do part two Yes, definitely. So much more to talk about. I know,
1: I know. Literally, like I don't even know we go through like a battle for last time.
0: (laughs) Okay, well, thank you so much for your time. Anyway, thank you everyone for listening, and I will catch you soon. See you later. Bye. Bye. Ciao.